Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Hello, I'm Greg Jenner. I'm the host of You're Dead to Me, and we are back for Series 5. Yes, it's the comedy show that takes history seriously. And on this series, get ready to hear about Frederick the Great of Prussia, with Stephen Fry, no less. I'm just thrilled at this history lesson. Or learn a fair old amount, that's a pharaoh joke, about ancient Egyptian queen Hatshepsut with Kima Bob. What a vibe. And take a stitch in time as we discuss the Bayer Tapestry with Lou Sanders. Ooh, I'm a gog. Plus we have many other lovely historical subjects where we're joined by top historians. That's You're Dead to Me, with new episodes every Friday. Johnny good, isn't it? ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com How how are we all doing? Are we basking in uh, the extra hot rays of Man United? Are we feeling good still? Yeah, yeah still feeling good, right? I'm, I'm, I'm interested in hearing what a man like Matt Candela has to say about it because... It was a glorious day. We didn't we didn't hear to get to hear your dulcet tones that day. Um, so yeah, what what I know we're not firing straight in, but what's your overall vibe? How are you feeling? Oh mate, well I was absolutely ecstatic, obviously. But it's interesting, like with the dust settled, and I was chatting to a friend about it yesterday and saying, "My God, we were lucky. <laughs> we were seriously, seriously lucky to get that win." Um, but I think over the course of the season, we've earned that luck because I think we've been seriously unlucky in a lot of games. And we, But we really rode our luck in that second half. Bruno, I mean, what was he doing taking that pen? Uh, you know Ronaldo doesn't miss. And then and then, and then, then, to, then to hop, skip and a jump it onto the post. That Ronaldo VAR could easily have been given. I mean, it was it was no clearer than than, than goals we've seen given, to be honest. We were Tavares was having a mare. We were on the ropes, and then man of the moment, Granite Shaka just came in, and and then it was calm. We just like went, that was just their heads went down. We weathered the storm. We saw it out, but that was the pivotal moment. But 
to come out of that week with uh, with six points after the three games we'd had before. I mean, it was the most Arsenal thing ever, wasn't it? And now it would be the most Arsenal thing ever to go and lose to West Ham with no fit centre backs at the weekend. I'm hoping. I'm hoping that's. I'm hoping that's not the case. But wow, the Chelsea game was, to be honest, even even better because that was totally away Chelsea. That was totally unexpected, and you felt like we were going to have a real go at Man United, and the confidence had returned. But, jeez, uh, what a what a what a week! Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I everything you've said, I do get it, but I'm not. I'm not sure I came away feeling lucky from that West uh, from the Man United game. It's uh, and I guess it bundles into what you're saying in terms of we've earned it. But like when we when we lost to them up there, I know our goal was outrageous as well and we were you know could have got lucky that they didn't they they basically smashed and grabbed us as far as I'm concerned in the home game we were we were on top for most of it and it was basically relying on Ronaldo to get you out of a jam as he's done against a lot of the other you know big sides Tottenham um got beat single-handedly by him so they had it coming and the fact that it was the fact that they can walk away feeling a little hard done by or aggrieved makes it genuinely sweeter for me i enjoy that i enjoy the thoughts of them having restless nights tossing and turning while i am just relaxing i'm 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 working out which tog i want to sleep with on my on my duvet i'm chilled and relaxed and i love the fact that they've got some real football anxieties same here I mean, i'm not I mean, I'm one not... thing i'd be interested to get your perspective on oh yeah what's that one thing I'd be interested one thing one thing I'd be interested to get your perspective on, right? I think Ronaldo is still unbelievable. And I've heard Pedro especially throughout the course of this season say he is the problem at Manchester United. But you know, you talk about a player take the age out of it who can hold up the ball, uh get you a goal out of nothing, elite finisher. I mean, to me, he's the least of United's problems. He is still elite. That movement and that goal was out of nothing. It was it was un, unreal uh, no, football know-how to get that. It was a goal out of nothing. And, uh, and I'm interested to see whether Pedro's changed his mind a little bit and what your point of view is, Johnny. The beauty um, of Ronaldo, yeah, the the beauty of Cristiano Ronaldo is he is Man United's biggest problem, but he doesn't look like it on paper. Ten Hag coming in plays one of the most aggressive pressing systems in Europe. It is mesmeric to watch how hard he gets those players working. And when you've got Cristiano Ronaldo, who can't do that at 38 years old, but he's still your leading goal scorer, it, it serves up a problem. And the biggest problem Man United are going to have next season, and I, you know, I've obviously got no inside information on this, Ronaldo's got one year left on his deal. He earns £600,000 a week. There is no club on the planet that is going to pick up that check or anywhere near it. So Man United, I, I, I wouldn't, why would Ronaldo go? He's, he's one of their top performers this season. And that's going to cause so many problems for Ten Hag next season because you can't drop him. And then when you're trying to build through a new into a new process and you can't drop Cristiano Ronaldo, you can never move forward. So, yeah, great player, was an absolutely brilliant performer at the weekend, but he is the heart of their, their problem, even though he doesn't look like it on paper. Well, I think in terms of my Ronaldo analysis, it would somewhat go along these lines. Now, 
I'm not even going to get involved in the off the field stuff. I know there are some issues been burning for a long time with him. So I'm just going to stay away from that. And I'm just going to talk about him as a football player. Because for me, I think that without a doubt now, he has elevated himself to, he's a top three player of all time. People do it in different ways. Um, Often it's, you know, horses for courses when it comes to people talking about him and Messi. When you, you know, obviously Diego Maradona, notable mentions Pele, if that's your vibe. Um, Eddie Nketi is doing really well. We'll see where he ends up um, in that discussion. But overall, I think when you look at Ronaldo, um, he's similar. His his situation is rather similar to that of LeBron James, who, for me, I love LeBron, and I would actually argue he's the greatest. It becomes a, a personal thing after a while, sometimes even to do with personalities. But over Jordan, for me, because... One of the one of the attributes that we could, um, you know, in a very tough debate, try to separate these two, like when we talk about Messi and Ronaldo, uh, separate them apart. Ronaldo has gone to multiple leagues and won big trophies at multiple different in multiple different teams. He's rebuilt himself and he's found a game which is just undefendable. Now, I'm not trying to say that Messi is defendable. He's very hard and he's such a unique, special player, but. Ronaldo is a physical freak, and I mean that, a freak. He should not be doing it. Listen, I'm, I'm about the same age as Ronaldo. I walked for about three miles yesterday, and now I have a problem with my Achilles. And I don't know what to do about it. I'm like, come on. Fucking body's breaking up 37 Achilles problems from a, from a brisk walk. Ronaldo <laughs> is just dicking on people. Big, giant, leaps like a salmon. He can leap out the stadium. He's still, he's not as fast as he was in his heyday, but he's still faster than the majority of Premier League defenders. He's as strong as an ox. And his finishing is, well, it's, it's, it, it would be a weak statement for me to say it's world-class because it is arguably, it's probably the best we've ever seen in terms of a finisher. It's beyond a joke. Um, but, you know, I make that LeBron James comparison because you're talking about an elite player who now finds himself at, his third or fourth, well, third team, um, LeBron, that is. And he's won trophies everywhere he went. But he's now at the end of his career. So he, to echo to jump echo on some of the points that Pete made, for a club, it's difficult to know what to do with them because they are, you can't improve upon them as a player, but they're also winding down the years. And they also, they also it's not like they're going to leave you for another club. At this stage, the die has pretty much been cast, but they might retire at any point. So you can't build your team around someone who in six months' time could go, do you know what? I'm out. Deuces to everyone. Still the greatest. I don't need to prove it anything to anyone. And that is very difficult from a structural point of view because he is so intense and, and amazing at what he can do. But ultimately, there's no longevity with him. And, um, you know, this is why I love watching these really, you know, um, sketchy situations unfold at United because the fan base look like they're on their heels already, on their haunches, and I just want to see them pushed over the edge. Well, I think that that's it's, it's that great point, right, which is around, I think the best clubs are the ones that manage short-term and long-term thinking. And I think that it's something that uh, Arsenal have, we've rarely got the balance right. Like we had the balance right when Arsene Wenger first came in and we had all our defence was in their 30s pretty much. You know, Lee Dixon, Tony Adams, 
bold Keown, Winterburn, and then you had like a new younger core coming through, and then we built it up. And then we went, and then so that was like a mixture of short term and long term. Then we went super long term <laughs> with with Project Youth that that you can't. What, it was too long term. In the end, we just weren't able to to achieve what we needed to do in the short term. Then we went short term with like, you know, the the sort of uh, buying Mikatarian and Obama Yang and those types of players that didn't work either. And I think clubs like Liverpool and and City to an extent, do, Liverpool did brilliantly, in my opinion, the way that they just buy these players who can seamlessly become the future front three, you know, with, with Diaz and Jota. It's just masterful squad planning. So, I mean, I was thinking about it and going, Ronaldo wouldn't have been a bad signing for Manchester City this year. You know, I think with, with him up front, that would be, they would have been unstoppable. Um, but you need that mix. And I think the mix, the mix isn't right. And, um, you know, if he'd gone to City, he would have, he would have definitely killed Gabriel Jesus, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. All right. All right, lads. Enough, enough chat about Ronaldo, for God's sake. Let's get into it. <laughs> Mirror man, mirror man, you twist and turn my mind until I don't know who I am. Mirror man. Good morning and welcome to a new edition of the Arsenal Opinion Podcast. We are... It's not, an, it's not an on the whistle today. It's a West Ham United before the whistle. I'm joined by Matt Candela. I'm joined by Johnny Cochran. How are you guys doing? Yeah, really good. I mean, I'm not even sure whether you're going to add that intense, you know, highly intellectual debate around GOAT players um, into the pods because that was, you know, sometimes, even though it's the Arsenal opinion, sometimes people want a broader brush when it comes to football analysis. And we can offer them that, Pete. So I see you trying to get a gig on Football Focus. <laughs> I see you both. I Wait, see Danny Murphy's shit, mate. I've, you, I've just got to get a, give me an opportunity. I'll talk about you Ronaldo. Wanna, you want the full-time gig on Five Live. <laughs> uh, I don't know how we're going to do it this week. Let's go, um, like, we, we always do a little um, hottest of take. Um, what is the, you know, what's the hottest take post-Man United? Um, now we've seen all the results play out. Um, seen some of the news going against Spurs. Seen the absolute car mm. crash that is Manchester United this week. Um, how are we feeling? Five games to go. Uh, Matt Candela, going to go to you because we didn't get your hottest take last time because you ran away because you knew I was coming to you on content. <laughs> I think I think the hottest of takes is we're in pole position again. And, and it seems insane to be saying that because a week ago we were basically crying into our cornflakes at how the whole season had gone bust and we were going to get eighth which also sums up us as Arsenal fans. If anyone does knee-jerk reactions, it's us Arsenal fans. It's because we've seen it all before. But, you know, we're in pole position now. And I think, um, you know, we, we've regained our confidence. We've got a system uh, that can get us to the end of the season. And most importantly, I think one of the, one of the biggest narratives was um, Spurs have an easier run-in than Arsenal. But I was looking at the games now, and I think that the big, the way that that was skewing, the reason it was so much easier for them was because they didn't have to play Chelsea away and Man United. But we've got those games out of the way now. And when I look at the fixture list, I'd say, I'd say it's, it's, it's basically exactly even. You know, we've both got to play each other, which we could do without. And then um, 
And then they've got they've got Liverpool, which you don't want to have. Uh, they've got Leicester, which is could potentially be tricky. We've got West Ham, Newcastle. So, you know, I think I think it's I think it's the fixtures the fixtures are pretty balanced now. We haven't they haven't got an easier run in, and we're in pole position. And you look at what could happen. It's not beyond the realms of possibility if fixtures go the way we expect them to, which is you know a big if, which is basically us beating Leeds and West Ham and then beating Leicester and losing to Liverpool. That we could be going into the and if those if that happens, we go into the North London derby five points clear, which would be an incredible Ooh. place to go in because all the pressure would be on them. But yeah, I'm feeling I'm feeling optimistic. Excellent, Johnny Cochran. Where are you going to go with your hottest of takes this week? Um, well, you know we're talking about post United game and reflecting on it. So to kind of piggyback off some of the stuff that Matt said, anyway, broadly. You know, it's a, it, it's a wonderfully interesting time to be an Arsenal fan, and it's all so tense. But that feeling, those butterflies again, wow, it's good to have them back, isn't it? I mean, we nearly lost them a couple of games ago. We were literally sitting there like, that's it, that's it, that is it. Another season, another shitter. We don't know if we've got a manager anymore. And all of a sudden, we're like, we're on here, boys. We're the favourites. Let's go, you know. So, look, it's nice to be in the conversation again. Um and to have these kinds of problems or these uh, issues to think about with upcoming fixtures. But my overall take would be like this. I feel like the way that things have gone, for us to really feel confident about getting top four, we need to go into that Spurs game without even needing to get a point out of it. If we went into it <laughs> yeah. and and didn't it didn't even matter whether we lost, we'll, I think we'll bang them up. I really do. If it starts becoming a real pressure thing, nasty game, the referees haven't been hugely around us, don't get me wrong, they might bottle it, but you know that something bad could happen. And I don't fancy catching Tottenham based on our last two games. Like Our last two games are, are a bit trickier than theirs because Newcastle away, that is suddenly no jokes. <laughs> Eddie Howe's now all of a sudden got those guys going and going up to St. James's Park, you know, can't you just bring back Steve Bruce for one game? Just let us rough, rough old John Joe Shelby up. Joe Willock, you know, can't he just be on loan again? Yeah, you can't play against your parent club, stuff like that, you know. But now we go in with no handicaps on them and, and they will cause us problems. However, I think we're also at the stage where, and, and, and to be clear, by the way, I think we can go to White Hart Lane not needing to, you know, not get beat. I think we can be over three points clear of them by the time we go there. They've got a tough game against Leicester. We'll see how they get on. Um, and Leeds at home is probably, I mean, they have Norwich still to play, I think it is. Um, but it's probably the easiest game of anyone's left. Like, Leeds at home, if we're not doing them at home, you know, it's on us, really. We can't we can't complain. But Leeds, Leeds are still not very good. They're so all over the gaff defensively. We should be having our way with them. And I think that we've certainly moved into the territory of the season where if you, you know, it, it's more commonly discussed when you think about at the top of the league, particularly uh, City and Liverpool, where it starts becoming a who plays first on the weekend, who gets the result, you know, who cashes the check first, if you like, to make the other one sweat. And it might come down to... Um, 
you know, uh, who's who's playing who first? Because if Spurs win, then the pressure's on us. We have to respond, that kind of thing. Um, but I just think that we really, really need to just set about our business so well over the next few weeks, next couple of weeks, do West Ham, defenderless, and this clearly distracted, beat Leeds at home. And I think that hopefully we should have built on the lead we currently have, because if we do, then it will really be all up for grabs for us. Well, the one thing I'd add to that is that if we go into that Spurs game and you know we're able to win our next two games and they just win uh, one of their games of the two, a win at White Hart Lane would clinch fourth for us, which would be... <laughs> and I, and I, would love, I would love to see us going into that game knowing that if we won we get fourth because I think the pressure on them then, it's all on them. You are know, you we can, the handbrake. Are you suggesting a new chant, Matt, of we clinch top four at White Hart Lane? <laughs> we clinch top four at White Hart Lane. I'm just saying, it, it, it's got a ring to it. I think it, I, I, it's got a ring to it though, hasn't it? <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely. I, 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 hard to add anything there. It's the, the West Ham game makes me nervous because... There's no centre-backs and they're focused on Europe and it could be a game where we show up uh, with a bit of complacency. I still think it's difficult to go to West Ham and I think David Moyes will set them up with a deep block and sometimes deep blocks have been problematic for us this season. Chelsea didn't score until the 90th minute despite having 26 attempts at their goal. Uh, Leeds at home under a new manager. I don't really know what to expect, but their injury crisis certainly hasn't abated. So you would expect us to you know, perform in front of a very raucous crowd. And uh, yeah, I, I, I'm with you. Like, go, let's go into that Spurs game without having to win. That's the uh, the absolute ideal. I'm not I'm not as worried as everybody else is um, about Newcastle. You know, they've like uh, they, they got spanked 5-1 by Spurs uh, a few weeks ago. They will well and truly be on their holidays. I don't think they're that motivated to impress Eddie Howe at the end of the season, but I'd rather... <laughs> I'd, I'd rather just go into, you know, the final games with Spurs completely demoralised. Um, but we have a packed show and we've got lots of interesting things to get through um, because you two have to be gone in 20 minutes. So we're just going to get right out of the hottest takes and we're going to talk about big Bill Saliba. Um, the uh, rumour mill is going into her overdraft. There is no player that gets Arsenal fans more het up than William Saliba. It's a little bit embarrassing, I have to say. The, the, the rumour that I have, well, it's not a rumour, um, is that Arsenal are going to keep um, William Saliba this summer. Uh, unless there is a mega offer that comes in for him, he will be competing as part of, um, you know, the back four set with a, the group of four centre-backs next season. Uh, he's a he's a, he's a French international uh, now. I don't know whether he's had a cap yet. He's had an amazing season. Uh, he looks like a, a perfect switch in, switch out um, for Ben White. There is absolutely no reason for him to leave. There's no reason as a player for him to want to go. Arsenal have the youngest team in the Premier League. It has elite levels of coaching and he knows that he'll take his uh, game to the next level at Arsenal. Um, I'm pretty excited about it. His agents come out and thrown a little bit of cold water saying he doesn't know what's happening yet. But let's just remember, his agent is looking to push for a bigger, fatter deal because hopefully Arsenal can get William Saliba to uh, tie his future down longer than two years this summer. Um, Johnny, I know that William Saliba, uh, you know, I feel like you're very close. Um, you started the Saliba Ultras. And how is the uh, how is the faction doing at the moment? How is the group doing? How are they feeling? 
and give us a little bit of insight into what a Saliba Ultra is feeling right now about their favourite player? Well, first of, first of all, um, in terms of the organisation of Saliba Ultras, we're not, you know, a leader-led organisation. It's a cooperative. It, every, there are no leaders. There's no hierarchy. Yes, I'm one of the most outspoken, but that's by nature of what I do here. You know, um, what I would say is that we all feel the pain, viscerally feel the pain with Saliba. And literally, I would say that the way I feel about it, and I know this just winds people up. It's one of the things that people have a go at me most on the internet about Arsenal-wise is I always bring up Saliba and stuff. I don't know where they're coming from on that, if I'm honest. But uh, when I do talk about it, it's because I feel like it's after top four and the nerves I feel around that, in terms of my overall feelings towards Arsenal, Arsenal, the nerves around will Saliba stay or not is not far behind, quite frankly. I think he could be a era-changing player for us. He is a player that is currently on our books who I don't think we could sign an equivalent of. You know, potentially if we got top four, I think it'd cost loads of money and he would suddenly be a... It would be a you know, top-class centre-half or one of the centre-forwards that you clearly uh, are in need of. So I think Saliba would be an, an unbelievable addition to this playing squad and I think could be part of what takes us to the next level. Um, it w- that's, That brings us to the kind of more live stuff, the pertinent news from today. So originally, I saw something on Twitter that was to the tune of, you know, essentially echoing what you were saying, Pete, um, that Saliba had expressed a desire to stay. Um, co- now, now, complicit in that um, bit of news would be that Mikel Arteta has reached out to Saliba to calm his fears, um, to give him reassurances as to how he fits in. Because whilst there are a lot of people and a lot of Arsenal fans who I find is so weird, but they're so flippant about... Um, Saliba because he's young like he's earned nothing yet he doesn't earn any promise of playing time or whatever I, I find it bizarre in all honesty first of all he's he's shown far more at his stage of his career than many of the young prospects that we've had for a long time so I think that um, he should be treated with respect as all players should but certainly one who looks to have this mu- amount of promise that he could be playing at the top top of the game um, and then from that I I then saw some extra news, which basically... Right, let's also to... remember, the original news came from me about a week ago, just because it's packaged up on Team Talk. That came oh, 100%. You, you, yeah. you, you said it. You, you were the whistleblower on that one, 100%. It, it added no validation credit. to what you were saying, you know. But since then, his agent, which, you know, I don't know what tier source either is, you know, the agent or you, but still, um, <laughs> you know, let's look at all the sources... And his agent says that, listen, there's no, nothing agreed with Arsenal at all. And um, we're yet to hear their feelings on it. And and what, what I, the reason why I uh, bring that up, what he actually said, is it, it, it worries me. It would concern me if the messages have not been relayed to Saliba um, at this stage. And I know that one of the most likely scenarios is his agent, as you say, dress, dressing it up a little, uh, uh, Pete, dressing it up a little bit to, you know, get more money or, or a longer term deal for his for his client. But 
maybe he's telling the truth and maybe we still haven't reached out and gave him assurances, which I would think is a massive oversight from Arsenal. And these are the kinds of situations that I really, really hope that we move forward from. Lessons have to be learned after this year, even if we achieve our goals. There are, even if, you know, there are certainly some things that Arteta has done really well this year, but there are definitely things he's done poorly. And I don't think that even with a top four, you know, trophy, as we used to call it in the old days, um, achieved this year, I still think that Arteta should leave this season with some humility and look at how he can improve because there are definitely improvements in the way that Arsenal are run, including things that are under his control. Matt Candela, how are you feeling about the situation? Does William Saliba deserve a special phone call from Arteta as we're in the fight for top four? Is he that important? Well, I think it's just player management and I hope he is staying in close contact with whoever it is at Arsenal. I am a fully paid up member of the Saliba Ultra Cooperative. So <laughs> this is I, exclusive uh, news. <laughs> so I think you already knew that. But, but you got burner take, accounts. I'm gonna take a little <laughs> uh, a little uh, take a little bit of a different perspective just to keep it interesting, which is uh it sort of all comes down to contracts and money, right? Because we've got two years until his contract ends. And the club have to think long term. And so you have to, uh, we also have to look at this against the backdrop of what could happen. If Barcelona come in and offer us 50 million for him this summer, which was one of the rumors at one point, uh, now's the time to take it. Because in 12 months' time, it's 20 million. It is. Because, you know, look at what we're talking about with Gabriel Jesus or whatever. So whatever we do, whether it's I don't I don't think that we can just wait and see what happens. I think we've either got to give him a new contract, convince him that he's special and get him to sign it this summer. Or I think we sell him this summer. But I don't think we can do what we'll probably do, which is come back, but maybe not be that clear. And then we have a and then we're in a tricky situation because if, if he plays a blinder and then he's our first choice centre-half, we've got a year left on the end of his deal and, you know, he could go anywhere, basically. He holds all the cards. So I think there's a, there's, there's a lot of posturing that needs to happen. But if he's going to stay and if he's going to challenge, I think we need to sign him up on some sort of new deal, whether it be a, a year extension, that would be ideal, or whether it's a new five-year deal. Just sign him up. Nothing says commitment to a player like a five-year deal. So, you know, uh, and, and I, I'm interested I think to he, get your... I think he'll want that. I think he'll, like, you know, you, you can you can say, listen, I'll take my chances. You, you know, I, I, see, I saw what you did to Eddie. You didn't give him any minutes and you said he was, you know, one of the best performers in training. I don't want that for myself. So I'll give you a year. And if you give me minutes, then I'll sign on. But I also think that... You could blow out your knee, you could blow out your Achilles, and you actually want to be seen as committed to the cause. And I don't know what he earns at the moment, maybe 25 grand a week. If Arsenal came in and said, here's 70 grand. Um, I don't think he's on 25 grand a week because we spent 35 million signing him. I don't think he's on 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 close to 50, to be honest. I don't think you don't spend 35 million and go, oh, we're going to give you 25 grand a week and pay you less uh, than someone in the academy. 
Uh, and yeah. even then, I do think that, you know, just to, you've both made some good points, but like, and I think Matt, that's perfect in terms of, I think he should be offered a new deal because as you were already saying, Pete, it's nothing shows that you're part of the future. Like, we're going to tie you down for a longer period. And I, I think that we should, to offer him 80 grand for five, I think five on, years. It says uh, on the internet, it's 40 grand a week. Forty, right. Uh, okay. we'll, we'll split the difference. It doesn't change the point, though. You, we go, go in and you offer him a bit. You, you offer him more money. Offer him eighty. Offer him ninety. Yeah. Johnny, like, let's not get carried away, though. Eighty. Get carried 80 away. Fine. Eighty. Wage stretcher. We'll give him eighty grand a week. I, I think he'll take that. Like, what does a young player want? They want um, commitment. They want to know they're going to be coached. They want to know they're important. I think um, when you're 21, you, you're. It's risky to play those sorts of games because you know you haven't done it in the Premier League at the moment, and I don't know whether you would want to be the news story all year. So we'll see what happens. Arsenal want to keep him, but you're right. If um, if he doesn't want to sign, then this is the best time to sell him. I just don't know who's going to be waving fifty million for him at the moment. We have to recoup a lot of money to get what we paid for him already. I mean, thirty million. Um, Fafana was 38 million. I mean, it, it'd be difficult, but yeah, it's it's looking good though. He fits the system. He's done well. He got a call up to the France national squad. This shouldn't be an issue, and I and I don't think it will be because where else are you going to play? It's the hottest club in Europe to play. If you're a young player at the moment, he will get the platform. He will get minutes, and hopefully, we'll be in the Champions League. Right, well, I want to move. Sorry, Where I do, I do. You know, just to jump on that last point. If we get top four, I think our position becomes immeasurably better when uh, dealing with Saliba, when dealing with those negotiations. Listen, we were playing in the Champions League, mate. Um, we were doing all right without you. Uh, fact is, we'd like you back because we see the potential. We know you can be a future... Ca- and that's the other thing. That's another term. Future captain, mate. Give him a pat on the arse and say, <laughs> well, we've got a special Johnny's- way... All about in. armbands, not all, not all. <laughs> apparently, someone, a wise person, said not all captains wear armbands. And you know, that was a lovely piece. Tra- that was a lovely piece. Thank you very much. But you'd be on the leadership train, do you know, like that. When you get big companies, you go, oh yeah, they're they're, they're in the apprenticeship for the leadership. Uh, you can be leadership. one of our five captains. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Love that. All right, let's keep let's keep this uh, let's keep the podcast train going. Um, let's go to a hot topic. Gabriel Jesus, one year left on his deal. Edu's interested. Gabriel Jesus is interested. He's a short man. He Up until last weekend, he had a worse goal record in the Premier League than Alex Lacazette. And Arsenal fans turned around and they looked at him and they said, that is what we need for our striker this summer. I thought it was a little bit bizarre. But no, Arsenal fans came back and they said, Gabriel Jesus is going to leave Manchester City um, because Haaland's coming in. But he'll come to Arsenal and be our backup striker. I think this story. I'm not sure if I'm not sure we're going to see Gabriel Jesus at Arsenal. I think that he wants to sign a new deal, um, top talent. But wanted to get um, your take because he will be an expensive signing. He will want to start. Where do you see Gabriel Jesus fitting into the Arsenal system next season um, if he is the lead candidate? Well, I think I think if there's something that January showed us, it's having all your eggs in one basket is a really, really bad move. (laughs) And so as we shape up to this summer, I don't think genuinely anyone at Arsenal can really predict which one of our targets we're going to get. I'm sure we've had a ton of conversations, but football changes very quickly. It matters whether we get Champions League, not Champions League. It All sorts of other stuff. It depends what happens with other teams. 
and other players and there'll be a merry-go-round. And unfortunately, where we are in world football, we're everyone's second choice to, to, to an extent. I think that, that's, you know, I think it's going to be really, really tricky to see part of who we get is going to be down to where other people go. That's just a reality of, of the Napoli guy, you know, all these players, Calvert, you know, I don't, Calvert Lowen, Tammy Abraham. But for me, there's definitely, there's one thing's definitely happened since January. I think there's a bit more realism around our targets. I think we're still talking about Calvert Lowen. We're still talking about Tammy Abraham. We're talking about Gabriel Jesus. We're talking about Marcus Rashford. There's a bit of a rehabilitation. There's a bit of a second tier little sniff about the whole thing. And so he fits that profile. And I think that a lot of that is born out of what happened in January, where you had an elite striker who didn't who didn't want to come to us. He, so he, of, he was interested. He's just he's we wouldn't pay his agent fees. He was whatever, interested. Whatever. And apparently, apparently, Matt, he's very upset about what's going on at Juventus. He doesn't like the system. He made a big mistake not coming to Arsenal. And I have that on the record. But no. but yeah, I, I agree with your points though. So so the point I'm making is that Gabriel Jesus, I think, is has got something in common with all those other players, which is he's not perfect. Um, he's got like potential on a good day. It could work. It, it feels, it feels a little bit uh, Welbeckian. You know what I mean? You know, when we thought he could come in and we could unleash all that potential and then but there was a reason. Ooh. We were like, oh, Alex Ferguson said he was the best he's ever seen in training or whatever, you know, it's another one of those. So um, I think you being anti it when you were so pro Rashford, I think that, I think it's- Rashford scores goals. So I think I, I think hey. I think I think basically it's a t- if you were asking me to pick between Gabriel Jesus and Marcus Rashford, I personally would go Jesus. That, that, that's what I'd say. But um, I'll let Johnny have. Well, his I would. I, yeah, Gabriel Jesus earns ninety grand a week. Rashford earns one hundred and ninety. So I think I would probably be in the same you know page as you. And if Arteta likes him, at least he's trained with him. Johnny, what's um, what's your thoughts on number one having a Arsenal making their main man? a very short striker. And number two, making their main man a, a striker that has, uh, his expected goals is 80 and he's got 60. Uh, it's consistent underperformance in front of goal. Should we be trying to sign a striker that struggles with finishing? What do you think? Uh, well, yeah, uh, that last line was has primed me really well. <laughs> what with the demons we face with Lacazette every every week. But um, no, look, I, I think you're being really harsh with Jesus. I think he's... Um, I think he's actually a quality candidate for the position that we're trying to fill. Now, I definitely think he should be coming in tandem uh, with another, you know, horrible striker, someone who's going to really terrify people. They should be walking through the door like Phil and Grant, ready to <laughs> cause carnage. And and I, and I want I want to see them both because, I, unlike you, I don't have the confidence. Um, certainly at this stage, that Eddie is going to be some world beater who he needs to. We need to keep throwing minutes at. We'll see what happens over the next five games. Earn a contract, but I, I'm 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 not optimistic about that. And so, you know, to kind of uh, respond to some of Matt's points about where Jesus fits in the kind of scale of potential strikers that we could get, I think he genuinely is. He's not a world class striker. I don't I don't believe that. I I wouldn't go that far. But 
And he may, may, depending on how you divvy it up, not be the exact class underneath world class. But he's under that. He's played at every single level. And you talk about his lack of goals. He's also played out of position, almost, you know, single-handedly been played out of position for quite some time now. And when he's not played out of position, he's often bunged into the team for one-off games. The other thing about the way that City play now, I don't think helps him because they, unlike us, have actually found a way of playing without a striker. And so they use their movement and their dynamism to great effect to be able to create uh, big chances, which they do, and they score for them. Uh, and, and Jesus isn't as good on the ball as, say, De Bruyne when he's playing there. And so they kind of lose an element out of their game. But I did see a stat the other day, which was that when he was played as a central striker, it wasn't this year, but I think it was the previous year, he was in, you know, he had one of the best goals to chance ratios out of the whole league. He was, he was a, He's a clinical finisher. I've seen him do it before. And he's also, you know, had several caps with Brazil. This isn't just some guy who's just, you know, kicking around, kicking rocks. And, and it's like, you know, do you know what? Let, let's give him a go. He is a top talent. Um but I do think that I wouldn't want to pin our um, whole future on solely on him. I think we need a physical presence in there as well. And this is why I've said, if it isn't Darwin, you know, coming in with him, um, Darwin and Jesus, I've said that already, then the likes of Ivan Tony. I don't like this Calvert-Lewin link. Uh, for me, he's not good no. He's not what I think we need. And neither is Rashford for that money. I like yeah. Tony more than I like. I actually quite like Tony. I think he he could be a good player. I do as well. I like really Tony, but also then you're looking at Tammy Abraham, who I think you know because he knows the league, because he's had a relative success in the league. He, in tandem with Jesus, would be a very good kind of partnership that you could think we're getting goals out of one of them each week. You know what I mean? And whoever's not doing it, you're on the bench. And I think that if you signed them together, Tammy's got. You know, the years on his side is still quite young. Jesus is 25 and he's got a future ahead of him. So I think that it should be done in tandem. And then, you know, who knows where we could go? Because I still think Jesus has got a little bit of room to grow in him. I think he's he's uh, got the potential to still be a, a very good striker in European football. Listen, I, I just think if we are going to make him our main man, you have to sign a striker that you don't have to have a, a tactical blog explain the benefits of him. And I know that I was guilty of it a little bit with Aaron Ramsdale last season. If you really squint, he's, he's, got, he's, got, the, he's got the right assets. But I think um, Arteta said time and time again, goals, goals, goals. <laughs> Ga- Gabriel Jesus, up until last weekend, had played 200 minutes less than Lacazette and had one less goal and one more assist. I think that that's a massive risk. But again, if we um, if we get an Oshiman and a Gabriel Jesus, I think we're in good shape. But I, I think a lot of this story is Gabriel trying to shake out a bit of a path forward for himself. I mean, if you listen to Pep Guardiola talk about it, he was like, listen, no one knows what's going on with this at the moment. Uh, so don't pretend that anybody has got an inside track on this. We'll talk at the end of the season. And if he wants more minutes, then it's a, it's a different type of conversation. But I think Pep Guardiola quite like, likes him. But I guess the overall thing is Arteta spent three years training with Jesus. He probably knows Blair better than you know anybody in world football. So if he wants him in. But I just don't think that we're going to deviate from the path of a player that, like, I think Tammy Abrams is six foot three, Vlahovic, 
six foot four, Isaac, six foot four. I think that they will want a target man. And I also think, just look at the pattern that City have gone for. They tried to sign Cristiano Ronaldo last year. They tried to sign Harry Kane last year. Part of the the, the, the games where City don't push forward is because they don't have an option that can be dangerous in the box. And I don't, I don't think Arsenal were going to go to what City were three years ago. I think they'd rather sort of jump the queue and sign a striker that can do damage. And a lot of people are like, well, you know, you, you shouldn't rule out smaller strikers. It's like, yeah, but if you've got 70 million to spend, why not just get all the bells and whistles? Why would you go in and say, well, he might be good in the air? Um, so, yeah, good, but, good player. But I'm, but I'm just that, not that, sure about those goals. That's even more why I think that Jesus in tandem with another, you know, striker who does fit the mode, um, I think is the best outcome out of all of this. Because even if you look at someone like a Darwin, and I think Darwin, from what I've seen of him, I don't see him every week. I don't, I'm not an expert on Portuguese football or Benfica for that matter. But from what I've seen of him, and I've seen him a few times, he looks like, in, in many respects, he's the total package. He's good with his feet. But the nature of the big men sometimes is that they don't always link up as well. They're not all gifted like an Olivier Giroud when it comes into their feet. Darwin looks tidy with a ball at his feet. But in terms of the way that Saka, Smith-Rowe and or Martinelli are growing and we've already got Erdegaard playing them in, they're, you know, there's a happy medium to be struck between someone who can do the kind of quick interchange and quick interplay that can spring our other dangerous players, like the likes of Saka, the likes of Smith-Rowe. And if there is someone who's just... Something that I think we could do with a little bit of is someone who's a bit greedy, a bit strikery, you know, someone who's a bit nasty about goals. But I do think that we there might be, depending on the opponent we're playing at any, one, at any single time, room for someone like a Jesus who can do quite well with, with his link-up play, uh, is quite quick. And he's a, as far as I know, I know his uh, stats haven't, you know, kind of shown that over recent times, but I think he's a very good finisher. So I think Jesus in tandem with someone else would be amazing for Arsenal fans. And I don't really know anyone who'd be expecting much better than that, if that's the calibre of player that we're looking at. Amen to that. We've been dining out at McDonald's and Jesus, however you look at it, is, you know, heading into a Gordon Ramsay restaurant. OK, let's um, let's talk uh, Antonio Conte slander. Um, Antonio Conte, the man, the myth, the legend, couldn't get a single shot on target against Brentford or Brighton, is apparently this week presenting himself to Paris Saint-Germain. Um, some, some outlets are saying that he's already concocted a plan. He's already said how much money he wants. He wants 30 million euros instead of the 17 that he's getting at Spurs. He's also suggesting that he wants Paratici, um, the technical director at Spurs, to follow him over there. Allegedly, allegedly, allegedly. <laughs> even, if it, even if it is uh, paper talk, Johnny, what do you think the effect is on the Spurs dressing room when they get a couple of bad results and Conte's out there saying, listen, I'm, I'm better than this. I'm better than this sack of shit. Get me out of here. This this makes me feel ill. I can't believe that I signed into it. What do you like, what do you think? I love it. Uh, <laughs> it's it's beautiful to watch. Um we've had our fair share, I would say, of people like this over the last um whether they be players, managers or whatnot. Um not so much managers, but we've had our own issues with managers, I should say, but certainly players who become 
you know, they're, they're a distraction in the first place. But when the chips and da- are down, they become not only an unnecessary distraction, but an all-encompassing one because no one's got the fight in them to try and tell this person to shut up. And I think these stories don't come out of nowhere. And Conte also has a proven track record of agitating for moves like this. I know when we were being linked with him and, um, you know, when there were other people in the job, Arteta and um, even Mourinho at Spurs, before they'd actually gone, Conte was having his name put out there into the press, batting it around, being very coy, flirting with teams because he was trying to drum up support. And so I do think that um, this, this has a good chance of derailing Tottenham season because I think that whilst he is a very good manager, Conte, he is he's a mercenary. Um, there are a number of them around, but he, he will, you know, fight for gold. And at the end of the day, if he can get more gold in Paris, guess what? The boat leaves tomorrow. Do you know what I mean? So he's he's um, not necessarily what I think Tottenham fans would all hope for right now as they head into what is surely going to be the biggest North London derby in 10 years, 15 years, 20 years. You know, certainly since Edgar Davids and Martin Yole, the guy from the Ghostbusters movie, uh, Vigo on the uh, on the painting uh, since he was in charge and and they um, got done with a lasagna. So, um, you know, I, I think you need or there is something to be said for I, I should say for having unity at this stage. You would rather have a united bunch of lesser dams than a fraught um, bickering bunch of you know occasional superstars because this is the guts end of the season and as much as anything you've got to be on the same page because some of these games there's no way of finessing it look at Liverpool struggling in games trying to you know not scoring until like the 80th minute all of a sudden they they were having teams up in 20 before but the pressure's on now and it's not easy to do and so you need everyone pulling in the same direction and if he keeps it whether he's got deniability that it was him or not when the stories are out there, of course it affects players. And of course, it gets into the head of someone like a Harry Kane who says, do you know what? If he's not around, I'm definitely going next year. So come on and let's, let's make sure we try and beat Arsenal this year. But I, I'm not going to be here long term. And that can only play into our hands. And, and Johnny, let's let's think of the Spurs fans. They, they thought that they were getting a hot piece of ass manager and... They thought they were going right back to the top. They thought they were climbing the social ladder. And it turns out he just thought they were shit rebound. Not even interested. He was threatening to leave after three weeks. And now he's 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 locked into some short-term relationship. And where do they go after this? Where do Spurs go after this? You've done you've gone for Nuno, uh, you've gone for Mourinho, uh, you've gone for Conte, and you still can't win a trophy. It's I just love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Okay, I mean, let's move. Last Sorry. thing on this, though, Pete. This is why I think a lot of Arsenal fans will love it and they will be aware of it, but it's not often spoke about on formats like this, you know, podcasts like this, um, uh, you know, and other Arsenal platforms. And that is that right now, this for me, and you, you can't, you, you try not to make it more than football and stuff, you know, in terms of the rest of the season. But you do feel like these are seminal moments in 
eras of two clubs, and that is Tottenham Hotspur and Arsenal. Now, Arteta at the moment is still, you know, even though I think a lot of people are, are well on the way, is still trying to convince people. Some people are still juries out, you know, less less as we go on and, and achieve more, but there are still some detractors out there. Whereas Tottenham are at a, a, a fork in the road, and that is their best player wants to leave. He's made that clear. Their manager is a mercenary who's come in, and there's a lot of flack being directed at the chairman. I think if we get over the line in top four, we can set them back years. Like, they will have to start again. And that is what is so drool-inducing for Arsenal fans, because I think we get it. Like, if we get top four, Kane goes. I don't really see any other way that that doesn't happen. They, they then have a manager who's looking like, well, why would I want to stay here when I didn't really even like how it was going before? My best player's leaving. I probably won't even get to spend all the money. And even if I do, it's an effort trying to get back there. We can not only solidify uh, and crystallise the progression of this era, but we can also slap them down and make it so next year's St. Totteringham's Day, if we do get it this year, feels like it was, you know, it's going to be a regular occurrence. Yeah, I, it's uh, it's absolutely magical what's going on there. And it just goes to show you all, you, you know, all Spurs needed to do was back Pochettino to do the rebuild. Pochettino said after the Champions League, Spurs would go downhill and then they come back up and they shit the bed and they thought that Mourinho was a short-term solution. And it's like, you can't be short-term in the Premier League Nowadays, even Newcastle, you know, they're they're taking Ashworth from Brighton. Um, I don't think they'll be picking off uh play, you know, I don't think they'll be buying Obama Yanks in the summer because they're gonna they want to build something sustainable. And the reason that you have to build something long term and sustainable is the two best clubs in England are strategic, they have vision, they have philosophy, and they that you know they've got managers that have been in there for five years plus now. It's the only way to compete is to try and have a better strategy and a better vision. So the fact that Spurs completely blew the head start they had on Arsenal, and now we've done the painful two years, and now we're moving into a new era where things are starting to look um, a little brighter. So what um, what we didn't uh, talk about, and this was a West Ham podcast, let's, uh, let's finish out. West Ham United, zero centre-backs. Um, they've got the first leg of the Europa League on Thursday. So they'd already be fatigued for us on Sunday. And then they've got a follow-up game against Frankfurt, who turned over Barcelona in their own backyard. Um, Johnny, this has all the hallmarks of a massive Arsenal fuck-up. Um, what do you think about the West Ham game? Have we have we got just too much focus in the camp? Like, where do you see this playing out? Um, I'm confident that we'll beat them. I think we'll beat them. And I'm confident that West Ham will know better than to mess with us. When we roll in, they just, you know, they literally wave the white hankies. And and at the end of the day, you know, there's Tottenham fans that I know, we were talking about this and they were kicking off, which was very amusing for me, about the fact, you know, it's a disgrace. They're not even going to put out a proper team and stuff. And it's like, listen, every year... The nature, the lottery of fixtures means that this occurrence will, will happen where there are teams with other competitions going on and you have to make choices, especially a team with West Ham with the limits of their squad. But when you're talking about a game where they don't have a centre-half, 
you know, Ben Johnson or whatever, who's just started to break through, he's getting guaranteed 90. He might even be playing centre-half. Suchek maybe at the back. Of course, they won't be too ambitious with what they uh, are trying to do. And after that Chelsea game, they'll know that they're not getting any anywhere in the league. Outside of the kind of positions they're in and around now, that's going to be their lot. But they have the opportunity to define an era with their competition that they've got against Frankfurt. They haven't, you know, they don't, it's not like they get to finals very often. They don't even get to the final. That is then getting claps on open top buses in 20 years. Well done, there's the final. Let's go, oh, yeah, you know, drinking in West Ham pubs for the rest of their lives. It's a big deal for that football club. And so I don't expect them to take it lightly. And what I would say in terms of how Arsenal uh, would approach it or, or how I uh, um, see Arsenal approaching that um, game. This comes back to what I said previously about I think it's a merit that we have a very young squad who are not tainted at this stage of their career with past seasons of failure, of people bottling it. Because when Saka rolls into West Ham B team, do you think he's sitting there going, oh, I'm a bit nervous. He's going to go, listen, mate, one of the best players in this country, stop taking the piss out of me. Ben Johnson, do you want the work? I've been doing it against top top players, and now you're going to get some of this as well. I don't I don't expect his head to go down. Emile Smith-Rowe, you've played against these kids. They're not as good as you. You know what I mean? These, these are the kinds of players that you might have played against when you're in the academy level, hoping on a dream that they might make it for West Ham. You're the number 10 for Arsenal. Slap some people up in East London. This is what we're, this is what we're here to do. I want these guys banging people up and catching a cheeky Nando's at Westfield Stratford straight after. That's how Arsenal should be rolling right now, taking care of business. And I think we will do that because I, I, it's not just the fact that they won't have a defender. I expect them to rest their big guys. Um, if Jared Bowen's not getting, you know... Some some R and R, then I don't know what Moise is doing. Scariest man in football, being very scary. Like I think he should be rested. And, and Antonio, they also don't. They only really have one striker. I know Yarmolenko dub, doubles up sometimes, but um, I don't really ex- expect to be seeing Antonio. I don't expect to be seeing defenders. And I don't expect to be seeing Bow, uh, Bowen. So if we can't go to West Ham and beat a B team, then the joke's on us. But I think that we can because we've regained momentum. Yeah, I also look at it, and I'm, I don't, I don't see any world where the West Ham players are going to be up for the Arsenal game because even if you're a B team player, there's always the hope that you might get included. So you're probably thinking about preserving your hamstrings. Uh, and you're right, West Ham don't win major trophies. Winning the Europa League is absolutely massive for the future of the club as well. You know, that's 40 million in the coffers. West Ham have got an old squad. They need to do a big rebuild. And the idea that you could maybe beat Frankfurt and then you've got Rangers or Leipzig, they've got to be licking their lips at that because they'll absolutely monster both of those teams in the other leg. So, um, or the other leg, the final. So, yeah, I, 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 I hope that we go into the game with the same attitude. I, I haven't heard much on Saka's injury. Um, it'd be absolutely massive to have him... Um, fit. I'm loving seeing uh, Thomas Party on the running machine. Maybe we get him back for the North London derby. But yeah, escape that game, no injuries, and then take that Leeds home game. And then we're in good shape. I'm just worried. This season's been so up and down. You feel like there's some more twists and turns to, to come and it's not going to be an easy five games. But 
we really should be rolling over West Ham. I mean, they made six changes against Chelsea. Um, I can't see them doing anything different this weekend. It might even be more extreme, more youthful, or more reserved looking. So uh, let's hope Arsenal could do the job. All right, Johnny, um, that about wraps up the podcast. Just uh, for the people that are commenting on whether I'm putting gel in my hair, I am. It's a new hairstyle. Uh, I've, you know, my hair isn't thick enough to stay back on its own. So yeah, I am using gel. There's nothing wrong with that. It's a nice, it's a blood, it's a bloody nice haircut if you ask me. Um, sponsor, currently sponsored by Brill Cream, this gentleman. Uh, um, do you know? I yes. love it. I love your fierce defense of gel. Men that wear gel. You might even that might be a new faction we create. Men that gel. You know, and you could be, it's, it's, hey, this is just chilled out, a meeting place for men that gel. It's it's nice, it's nice and crispy, a little faint in the sides of We're moving forward, we're moving forward. And Johnny, where can people find you on the internet? Um, That was nice, that felt like a little drum roll there as well. Um, At I, Johnny Cochran, as always, people, uh, wonderful for all those who do manage to chuck us a follow. Um, And yeah, it'll be good to chat Arsenal. Um, and yeah, it's always nice to hear your feedback on the podcast. So we always appreciate that. Johnny, are you going to be on, for on the whistle on Sunday? I am on the whistle. It's a massive game. It's a massive game, and I'll definitely be involved. Do you know one thing? I know we've got to wrap up, but one other thing. One of the reasons why I'm less scared over the West Ham game when they put their backups in, their kids in. One of the things where the the young kids could be an issue is when you've got an old older aging squad who aren't going to necessarily have the energy levels they go on to a you know they play some west ham kids and the energy is just too much for them at this you know uh, kind of um awkward stage of the season but all of our best players are young so you know what i mean you've got some west ham kid who wants to run around in press saka's not going oh mate i don't i don't do running anymore they're all four years out of pe mate you know what i mean these guys were doing <laughs> pe over the field they're still fit you know, it's not like people like us who, you know, scared of it. As I said to as as I said to you earlier, I walked three miles yesterday, and now I've got a problem with my Achilles. So, you know, what's going on? Not getting old is yeah. getting old is rubbish. I, I've I, I played golf the other day, and my knees hurt. And I was I was in a golf cart. I don't even have the excuse <laughs> of walking around for two hours. I was in a golf cart. It's embarrassing stuff. My brother-in-law blew his blew his Achilles out in a in a in a golf bunker as well. Uh, and got treated by Colin Lewis. Okay, on that note, um, thank you for listening. Uh, leave us a five-star rating. We might do a five-star rating competition. I heard the Arsenal Vision doing a five-star rating competition. That is that is, that is, is bribery, but it's the sort of bribery that we might be interested in. Uh, yeah, so give yeah. us a five-star rating for free um, if you really love us. And if not, we'll be back with a competition. And uh, we will see you on Sunday. Uh, thank you for listening. Ciao for now. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Hello, I'm Greg Jenner. I'm the host of You're Dead to Me, and we are back for Series 5. Yes, it's the comedy show that takes history seriously. 
And on this series, get ready to hear about Frederick the Great of Prussia with Stephen Fry, no less. I'm just thrilled at this history lesson. Or learn a fair old amount, that's a pharaoh joke, about ancient Egyptian queen Hatshepsut with Kima Bob. What a vibe. And take a stitch in time as we discuss the Bayer Tapestry with Lou Sanders. Ooh, I'm a gog. Plus we have many other lovely historical subjects where we're joined by top historians. That's You're Dead to Me with new episodes every Friday. Johnny good, isn't it? Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com Sports Social Podcast Network Life's better with American Family Insurance because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind. Save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at amfam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit Amfem.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.